Welcome everyone to another episode of The Floor is Rising. This is Sabretooth and with me is Kizu. Say hi. Hi. <laughs> um, today we're going to be talking about probably the most notorious, controversial, uh, definitely best-selling uh, artist in crypto art uh, NFTs, which is Murat Park. Now, Murat Park is Turkish. He's had a long history of digital art online. I believe um, he was one of the original creators on Vimeo when Vimeo uh, had a very vibrant uh, digital art community due to its support for 720p uh, as opposed to YouTube, which at that time did not support that higher resolution. And there was a very vibrant digital art community on Vimeo. He's won numerous awards. I think he was a designer, a motion designer in a former life, although I think now he is a full-time NFT slash crypto artist. And, you know, few events that have occurred recently, um, although it seems for Park that the artist's biography is basically full of news events and, and talking events by, by design. They are very good at getting attention to, to themselves. I'm not uh, an expert on, on, on Park, but I thought they are a very interesting artist to talk about because they made the news. So Beeple was sort of the, the, the highest selling, the biggest selling NFT artist. You know, Christie's sort of came along, gave him a big push, sold people for $70 million. And of course, not to be left behind, Sotheby's had to sort of jump in on the action and, and you know, they had to get the second sort of most well-known NFT artist, which is Park. Park consigned them a, a piece, which is a single pixel, right? So he created this piece that was just a single pixel and it sold for million plus. Kizu, what's, what's your opinion on, on, on this event? Well, I feel like there's a little bit of a rivalry or like a snub going on here. So... I mean, obviously, you know, Sotheby's and Christie's are the two most prominent and powerful auction houses globally. Um, I feel like there was something, I wouldn't call it a publicity stunt necessarily, but I think there was a very a strong sense that Sotheby's was trying to kind of like wrangle a position or a suitable riposte to the Beeple sale. Because obviously Christie's got there first. It was a very notable sale and event by any measure, uh, not just for the price. I think it's also the fact that, you know, when people kind of like looked at the work and, and what it stood for and looked at what Beeple had done on the side and previously, that in many ways set the tone because it was the first ever and highest price recorded for an NFT, right? But so in, in the wake of that, I think Sotheby's was probably thinking, now what can we do that, you know, would one up that, right? And so they could have done it by getting, for example, a more impressive artist or someone that was doing something completely different. And so they chose an artist that creates work, first of all, stylistically in a very different vein. And one could argue that it was the polar opposite because Beeple has a very exuberant style, very graphic. The $69 million work itself was composed, uh, basically was a mosaic of, of many other images. And it had this level of detail that was, you know, rewarded close scrutiny and things like that. And the colors and the, the idiom and everything about it was kind of like a information overload, internet culture, digital native kind of look, right? And and then on the other hand, we have Park, who, um, even if you look at his earlier work uh, on Vimeo and things like that, and a lot of the, the motion design work that he did was also very clean, minimal, uh, often monochrome, right? Just black and white. It had very cool aesthetic, if you want to call it that, as opposed to the hot 
of um, people. And so I think that there was, first of all, that stylistic counterpoint that I think Sotheby's was maybe keen to establish. And also in terms of the style, I mean, maybe this doesn't come through very much in the single pixel, <laughs> but <laughs> I think in terms of the conversation that we, you know, we were talking about it previously as well, where, you know, the NFT space um, is currently kind of divided between the art, the very figurative art, and whether it's a retro look or whatever, um, that's basically a, a, a kind of very clearly created off-chain using software that you know has nothing to do with crypto or, or NFTs. And then merely, I mean, I, I use that word in, in, with scare marks, but you know, basically it's just tokenized on the blockchain and then it's sold or traded. So in contrast to that, you have the current, well, I wouldn't call it Vogue, but there's the other school of, of thought that goes that, well, now that we're creating work that's going to be tokenized on the blockchain, then I think that it should also, in its in the way that it's generated and created, it should also be kind of native to that medium. And so you have all the generative art that, you know, well, that where the, the way that it's created is, is literally kind of embedded and encoded on blockchain in a hash, for example. So that kind of work obviously is, is more in line with what Pac is doing in the sense that, you know, it's, it's a kind of style that speaks to the specific um, structure and the features of, of the medium. And so, you know, that's, that's what he represents. So I think this could, actually could kind of um, spur a, a wider or long-standing discussion about which is the more legitimate form of NFT art in terms of what styles are considered good or of value or valuable, right? And so I think that that was definitely part of the consideration when Sotheby's had the sale, which is like they want to make this discussion. And I think it, it could potentially be a long-running one where Christie's champions uh, the artists that are more traditional in the sense that they don't really engage with the possibilities that the NFT space offers in terms of how the work is generated and created. And on the other hand, Sotheby's could end up being the champion of that sort of medium native NFT art. I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are because when I, you know, one of the most famous examples is the banana on a wall, right? <laughs> so anyone can take a banana to a wall, uh, just like anyone can produce a single pixel, right? But the value obviously is not that proof of work. So is, is, the, is the park single pixel, is this the equivalent of sort of the banana on the wall? I think, the, I think actually this highlights, uh, and I think I'm sure your example wasn't chosen frivolously because um, in terms of, it's funny that you use the term proof of work uh, because it's also a, a crypto term, specifically in relation to, to you know, Mining, yes. So it's it's it's, it's actually the the how some well literally how value is generated or or created or brought into existence in a sense, right? And obviously, in the sense of uh, Catalan's banana, the work that was done was that someone was sent to buy a bunch of bananas and then, and a, and, a, and a roll of masking tape and probably I mean I'm not sure if Catalan actually did it himself might have been that he just instructed an assistant to okay just uh so this is the work like take and then take it to the wall in the booth right just someone manning the booth probably. anyway um so that's that's the literal labor that occurred 
to bring the work into existence. And of course, you know, um, in the sense of an artwork, there is a bit more involved because on the gallery side, they probably had to photograph it professionally. Um, you know, they had a of you know Excel file or whatever, and they had they input the artist's name, and and there's a there's a bit of documentation that obviously occurred. And same thing when you know I think it was an edition of three, so each person that bought the work would have received some kind of certificate or um, you know basically proof of ownership. So that that's that's the work or labor that was involved. Now, in the case of Park, actually, the you could argue that, well, you know, it's the common thing, like, well, my kid could have done that. Maybe. I mean, but that's not the point. It's not really the, la- it's never about the labor or the expertise per se. Um, I mean, in many cases it is. You probably see an impressive work of art and think, well, wow, that's, that's really technically impressive. Um, and in the case of... Um, Digital art, I think that problem is foregrounded um, even more, right? Because you could say, well, uh, certain certain works of art are impressive because of the technical mastery that was required to code them, for example. Um, that's not the case in, in the term in the case of Pak Single Pixel, but it is the case that um, it does represent a uh, different expertise, right? So yes, that that it looks kind of negligible, but at the same time, if you're aware of the other work that he's done, um, then you realize that this this artist is technically very literate and competent, but he's chosen to whittle his practice down into a single you know gesture, and so it is all the point that you know it that this this work is attributable to this artist who's done much more elaborate and technically impressive um, stuff. Um, the other thing that I think is worth pointing out in the in the in this context of proof of work is that the pixel is fundamentally fungible, right? Like what he's done is basically done a very generic chosen a very generic um, form. And so that's also part of the problem in a sense where people, casual commentators will be like, well, that's not only is it such a trivial gesture that you know doesn't require any kind of technical expertise, um, it's a totally anonymous and kind of like interchangeable element in a sense. That's also true of Catalan's banana. It's just a banana. Like he, there's no authorial mark. He didn't, it's not his banana. It's not some GMO special banana with, you know, neon blue skin or whatever. It's just a banana. It's just uh, the masking tape that you got from the from Walmart. So that's the other thing that, you know, in this sense, it's really a case of like, well, who is it attributable to? Because there's no sense of creation. The artist hasn't really created anything originally. But it's really, um, and I guess I use the word fungible here in an in a ironic sense, because we all know that the, NFT, the F in NFTs refers to this fungible quality or non-fungible in, sense, in, in the case of NFTs. So literally, Pac has like created something that's totally non-NFT. Like it's, it's a total, totally interchangeable element, anonymous with no specific value because it's not unique. But then I would call into question the question, well, what does that mean, unique? Does that mean that it's an only one? Like there's only one 
and no other? Or does it refer to the fact that in, for example, minting an NFT and proclaiming it a unique work of art, that's the gesture that conveys the uniqueness, right? It's not always the case that um, the material itself is unique, but rather the particular configuration and, and um, combination of materials. So in Catalan's banana case, like, yes, it's just a banana that you could have gotten yourself and it's just masking tape, but he was the one who came up with the idea of putting it on the wall at this fair in Miami. And he has the backing of his name as, a, as an artist with a, with a past career. And, and if you look at Park's pixel, it's the same thing. You look at it, it's just, it's just a pixel. You do some research about art, about Park, and you realize that, aha, so this is the background. And so the, these are all the uh, kind of like surrounding factors that also gave um, this fungible element a quality that, you know, one would argue in, in that con- combination makes it non-fungible because it's a, you have to take into account the creator's biography and all of that. To me, this is like a kind of like um, object lesson in thinking about the question of like what uniqueness and value is in the NFT world, um, particularly as, you know, conversations that criticize NFTs have argued that, well, you're artificially making what is essentially a fungible element, non-fungible, by saying that you're minting this unique token with unique signature on the blockchain. It's predicated on his existing reputation as an artist. You know, if, if it was any other person who's doing it, it wouldn't have the same effect. It's also predicated on the fact that he is the first to do it, right? Um, if he wasn't the first to do that, then it wouldn't nearly have the impact that it that w- would have. And thirdly, it has to be predicated on the fact that it's it's done quite rarely, right? Because you know, if he kept on doing such things, like for example, you know, in your Catalan example, you know, he put a banana on a wall. What if you know next time he he took a tomato and sticky tape it on a wall. He just kept on doing it over and over and over again. Like the, the sort of the shock factor or the, the, the sort of um, the PR factor would wear off and it's just some guy sticking a piece of fruit on a wall, right? And so for, for Park, uh, what I'm seeing in his recent stuff is that he's doing it over and over again. And, and then the factor is wearing off. For example, he debuted on Hit Et Nul, um, and his debut piece uh, was an iframe that he sold for 999 Tezos. And so what an iframe is, is it's essentially a line of code that essentially embeds a website within the NFT itself. So when you're looking at an NFT, you're, you're basically looking at the, the hen website. Uh, I mean, so so it's it's similar in style in the sense that it's technically very simple to do. Anyone could do it. Um, it's making a statement uh, that that he's obviously doing. But the problem with this, as opposed to uh, the the single pixel in Sotheby's, is that uh, as as a lot of artists on hand pointed out, was that he was not the first person to do it. <laughs> People had literally done the exact same thing before to make the exact same point that he was trying to make before. And essentially, I think a lot of people were basically saying like, basically like you're trying too hard, but like you, you don't even know the history of the platform enough to know that someone had already done this, which basically loses the power of what you're trying to, what you're trying to do. Uh, and, and, and as a collector, I'm, I'm just like, you know, the, how many people, I think it was like 10 plus people who paid, you know, a thousand Tezos for it. I'm like, it, really? <laughs> so 
I mean, I mean, do you see a danger in 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 this if he, you know, from a career perspective, if he just keeps on doing this over and over again? You know, the Hang Thing is an example, the single pixel example. And you look at Park, and he's basically doing, as you say, the same thing or very similar things. Uh, not only is he just you know repeating himself, he's repeating other people, and he was unaware that he was doing so. Um, I would argue that you know we. At the start of this chat, we talked about the fact, or I mentioned the fact that maybe Sotheby's was doing a very uh, shrewd positioning stunt in the sense that they were looking at Park and saying, "Uh this is like the polar opposite to people. And even though he's not doing what is, you know, strictly considered generative art, the look of it is similar and the aesthetic is similar. So, um, and... You know, looking at that, I think that maybe, <laughs> I don't know if they're regretting it, but um, certainly they were pressed into delivering a kind of response to the people sale. And so, you know, visually speaking, I think Park represented something, an approach that was in many ways uh, polar opposite. But now maybe they're thinking, aha, well, now he's, he's operating in a way that, you know, doesn't really, I think, maybe do justice to, the, to his practice even. So he might be shortchanging even himself. Um, but I think if you ask me, the, my honest view is that, like, he's doing a parody of himself. Like, a lot of the things that he's doing are even more... Um, I wouldn't call it absurd, but you know, it's 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 precisely because of the medium that he's working in that this kind of fungibility or um, reiteration, whatever you want to call it, repeating himself, um, that it takes on a different irony, right? Because it's it's precisely because the the work in this proof of work is. First of all, it's 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 already trivial to begin with, and then if he does it again and again and again, but expects to you know generate the sales, then it makes it even more poignant. I would say, I'm not sure if it's. Um, I mean, the fact that he's still having some success maybe speaks to the features of the market for this kind of perceived new innovative art. Um, but there's a lot of irony at work here, I think. And depending on your point of view, I think you could argue, well, it's the same, it's the same kind of irony that underlies the, the kind of public uproar that erupted when three collectors bought the banana. The only thing harder than a number one billboard hit is the second one. Like, so are you, is he going to be a one hit wonder? That, that's the question, really. And I think it's unavoidable for um, for any artist. And it's not specific to the fact that this single pixel you know, uh, went on to, to sell for so much money. But I think it's more the... And, and given that he started from that, and given his style and what's known about his, you know, the kind of work that he does, there's a kind of unavoidable trap. Right, because if you start with this extremely minimum, which in a sense makes a very strong statement, a single pixel, just think about that and what it represents, especially in the context of um, what's happening in, in in digital art space and what is happening with true generative art. Um, it's it's a very powerful uh, anecdote or symbol. But then, can you then repeat that, or can you again? Is it 
more or less impressive if it's like a 10 pixel or 100 pixel, whatever, or whatever number he chooses to work with that, you know, it makes it less, um, you know, singular. Do, so I mean, do, do, you, do you think that to a certain extent, the success of an artist forces Pac and to an extent other artists into doing this? Meaning like, for example, I mean, Pac mm -hmm. is an OG, right? So he was one of the first artists uh, to basically do what he does, right? This kind of very smooth, minimalist, geometric um, animations. Or, or... But the thing is nowadays, there, I mean, he, and, and it's probably in large part due to him, that nowadays there are a ton of artists who do similar things. And subjective value uh, by me, do it better than him, basically. Meaning if you took the names out and you just purely put the work side by side, uh, I, I don't think his works would compare well in comparison to a lot of the other artists doing similar things. Now, obviously, the fact that he's an OG in this plays a part, right? Because if it wasn't for him, maybe some of these other artists wouldn't be doing the things that they're doing and they wouldn't be doing them as well, right? But the thing is, to a certain extent, that has to push him to do something different, more, uh, right? And and so, how does how, I mean, how does that how does that play out? Yeah, I, I mean, I think there's there's something about the sensational attention economy <laughs> at work um, that one might argue. You know, is more is, is exacerbated in the NFT space or the economy of that space as as we've seen it unfold thus far. Um, if you want to talk about what grabs the attention and what's fresh and what's you know innovative or what hasn't been done before, like he's kind of cornered himself into this idiom where people know him as this like artist that works in this style, right? So what can he do within? this bandwidth and the answer is i think quite little actually so in the sense he can't it, i mean is it is it because that he's literally in this gen generative sort of motion genre that is quite sort of limited by the tools that are available because i would say because it's specifically with regard to technique and you can argue that you know if you look at his vimeo page actually it displays quite a variety of subject matter and but the idiom is is the technique is is singular. It, that that's it. So unless he says, well, you know what, I, I'm a painter as well, <laughs> but he won't do that, right? He wouldn't do that. So there's a sense in which he is the anti-Catalan because medium-wise, he's extremely boxed up. <laughs> Actually, that's, sorry, I didn't mean that as a pun, but I guess yeah. It, it it's it's very. It's limiting in a sense, you know, and um, in a way that, you know, if you looked at what people did, people can expect that he might go on to do other things because his, his visual universe and that work was so expansive and, and it's possible that he could go in a number of different directions. Whereas with Park, you kind of expect that, you know, it'll be something white and geometrical. I mean, <laughs> and, and again, within that, like, what can you do? So I think both in terms of like what's available to him as a future uh, direction as an artist that wants to have a career, but also in terms of what would make sense as, as a commercial strategy. Like it's, it's not something 
that really suggests a lot of options. Actually, I would say. Well, I don't know. I don't know if he's running out of steam because I mean his sales are pretty strong and people want to buy it. So in that sense, he can keep making it. I'm. I, I guess I'm just. Um, I'm probably just playing the devil's advocate on 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 that because I see that as you know. I mean, not to get into a completely new sort of topic, but that, you know, one of the the, 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 the key differentiators in NFT art is this sort of on-chain generative element. And, you know, if Park is experiencing this kind of boxed-in phenomenon, uh, I mean, this applies to all generative art to a certain extent that at some point you, you just run out of different things to say <laughs> just because that... This format currently is so limited because there's only, I mean, all generative art is basically done out of, you know, two libraries, basically, like there's the P5JS library and then there's, uh, and, and so, you know, what can you do when, when you're so limited by your tool set currently? I mean, maybe the new tool sets will come up and whatever, but... Uh, I mean, this is, and, and I think for other, you know, for, for people who basically use, you know, more sort of uh, free range tools, you know, maybe someone who's, who, who uses a pencil to draw or who paints using brushes. I mean, the, the, I mean, you're unlimited in your ex expressive uh, potential, right? But for people who use more sort of a limited set of tools, I mean, I mean, very quickly the universe, especially if you've been around like Park has been around for, you know, years and years and years, like the universe starts getting very limited, right? So the question is really, I think, whether Park can come up or maybe he doesn't have to be the one to do it. Maybe Sotheby's can help him uh, to create the narrative that can justify, in a sense, that repetition um, that we're seeing. I, th I think it's, it's not... I think someone is probably thinking about it right now because I think that long term, if there's some kind of, and you know, it could be tied to the idea of pixel art, it could be tied to NFTs, and maybe he will shift to, you know, uh, and in, in, in the bigger scheme of things, it won't be perceived as that much of a shift, especially visually, if you're not aware of, you know, how to tell the difference. But if he started making generative art and, um, you know, visually it was still kind of consistent i mean that's one possibility and then you know he could still be known as the artist that in a kind of banana moment sold a single pixel for millions but that didn't really represent his his uh his practice as a whole but it set a precedent and it sparked a conversation about fungibility and, and all of that so yeah there's many possibilities i think it's still early days so we'll see but I can tell you that if Sotheby's is involved, they're not going to let this drop so easily. Uh, there, there'll be something. I mean, it, we, we may not know for, for a couple years, but I'm sure that, you know, um, we haven't seen the last of it for sure. So. Cool. Okay. So that's an interesting episode, Kizu. And uh, thank you for joining me again. Uh, and uh, yeah, we're out of time. So. Cool. All right, talk to you soon. Say goodbye. Right.